The Podski with John Baker. For over one year, the revolutionary force in audio entertainment. Hello and welcome to the Podski. I am your host, the man of a thousand gimmicks, Johnny Bake Show, episode 65. We got a packed show today. We're going to be talking about the PWI 500, and that's going to dovetail into the uh, Podski 100. And we got uh, The Rock returning to uh, SmackDown last week, and we're going to do a, a retrospective on Unforgiven 2003. And we got the regular crew. We got Justin Andretti in here right now. We got Teddy Mongoose, who's going to be doing a run-in a little bit later. Uh, but what's going on? What's going on, Andretti? I didn't know Kevin Duckworth died. We were, I know we were talking about the Portland Trailblazers team from the early 90s in the group chat. I, Duckworth died 15 years ago, man. I, I had no idea that that happened. I don't even know who that is. All, the only the only Trailblazers. He's awesome. He, him, and, him and Drexler and Porter were were like my favorite team when I was a kid. And they uh, Duckworth was probably my favorite player it, it, on that team. Um, what's he got here? Two time NBA All Star, NBA Most Improved Player. Uh, played for a couple teams. You know, most notably the Blazers. Um, second round pick, Eastern Illinois. Yeah, man. Fifteen years ago, that guy died of heart failure. He was only forty four years old. That's uh, that's that's scary. That is scary. Uh, yeah, the only trailblazer I care about right now is Dame Lillard, and if the Heat don't get Dame, then uh, then fuck the NBA. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we uh, had a good uh, show last week. We had Hot Shots uh, Wrestling Alliance, so go check that out on YouTube. Um, and if you're checking us out today here, you're gonna we, we're gonna have supplemental stuff here on YouTube as well. So check that out too. Uh, but we can just jump right in here. I wanted to I wanted to plug too. Uh, me and Mongoose are cooking up something special for uh, a, a a supplemental show that's going to be coming up. We're going to try to get it done by the end of the month. So right now we're recording this on the nineteenth. So I've got about eleven days to put this together. But it's going to be a lot of work on my end. Um, it's going to be not very much work on his end. Um, but I've got to do a lot of work to get it going. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. And I've got something cooking for a Halloween show. Um, for Andretti AD that I think is going to be badass too. But I, 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 I'm going to ask you publicly here because <laughs> I didn't get a chance to do it while we were uh, while we were working, you know, working today and, and before we were getting recording here. But I, I need you to be a sideline reporter for a football game for an upcoming show. Are you willing to do that? I can do that. Is and I'm not going to give you any more details. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but it's going to be awesome. I hope that I can be a legitimate sideline reporter and the camera cuts to me and I'm legitimately standing with a well, there's not gonna be we'll be in a camera, but there will be audio. So you're gonna be you're gonna be a sideline reporter for a football game that's gonna be coming up. And I think you're gonna do a great job. Perfect. You're the man, you're the man for the job, Baker. You're you're the guy for it. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um I can't wait to talk about this with you. And this is something that we're gonna jump right in right away. We're gonna jump into the PWI five hundred. 
and you are quite salty about this. So uh, if you are unaware of what the PWI 500 is, the PWI 500 is a yearly list that comes out from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It is a list of the top 500 wrestlers, and they've been doing this for decades. 79, I think, was the first one, right? Yeah, I think so. It's been a long-ass time. And uh, they came out with their list last week. So if you're watching along on YouTube right now, you will see the the, the um, 1 to 100 right now on your screen. So there's the top 100. Uh, not to be confused with the Podski 100 that we'll talk about here in a little bit, but um want to get your thoughts on this PWI 500. I, I, look, man, I don't know where to start with it because over the weekend – when you and me and, and the mongoose and JC and, and uh, winners and, and, and bricks were all talking this weekend, um, everybody was pretty hot about this list. And, you know, I got really hot about it because there's a lot of people on there. The vast majority of those people are people that I'm very familiar with. Uh, and look, I'm not I'm not going to act like I know everybody that's on that 500 because there's guys on there um, that I'm not super familiar with that are in, you know, obscure indies that i just haven't seen too much of or and, and whatnot but when it comes to like the um the luchas and the in the japanese guys and things like that i mean those are all people that i'm really uh, mostly really familiar with i've seen work you know a, a lot of times especially over the past year um and i got really hot man there there were there were fundamentally um some things about how they put the list together that got me really hot and when we were talking this weekend and i didn't even want to look at it. i mean i, I literally went to disneyland with my wife um, and her, you know, the, her, uh, her family with the in-laws and everybody on Saturday. Um, and I tried, I tried my best not to even open the link because you guys were already talking about the 500 and I knew I was going to get pissed off. But um, the thing about the 500 is, you know, there, it's, it's a Pennsylvania thing. I mean, the, the, uh, pro wrestling illustrated is based on a PA and, and you try, you try not to, you know, shit all over the people back home and in, in, in your native homeland. But is, that, is this yours? I had no idea that that's where that's at. Yeah, it's 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 a Pennsylvania thing. So it um I, I, their headquarters is in P, Central PA, I believe. I'm not I forget where, but um um every year, man, when this thing would come out, it was treated like it was a big deal, and it was treated like it was something where it, it was really cool for the fans to be able to see guys move up and down. And for people to get kind of some respect that, that they normally might not get, because again, they they're they're ranking they're ranking indie people, right? It, it just just as much as they're ranking people from AEW and, and you know New Japan and, and WWE and whatnot, they're ranking people from from every promotion, you know. Although it, and it's a big deal to kind of see some of your local favorites or some of your 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 national favorites to get included, you know, in, in a move up and down every year based on kind of what they did. Um, and I always, I always took it like it was a, it was a big deal that they put a ton of work into. I always did. And I, every year when it came out, I remember being a, um, even a kid, um, in like the, you know, mid to late, mid to late eighties, I would see those things for sale and I would beg my parents to let me get it. Or, you know, once I got out into the working world, you know, in the, in the late nineties or whatever, I would buy them on my own. I would buy the, the booklet and check it out. And I would read through the whole thing, man. And I always thought it was really cool the way they did it. Um, but as you, as I kind of was reading more into this and finally got got to look into what the categories were, um, there were a couple categories that I thought were a little vague and a little subjective. And the, the thing, too, about that is 
it, it just ended up happen, happening that, that some of the categories that they used ended up being some of the ones that I ended up using for our Plotsky 100, you know, for my own rankings, because I thought, you know, what a really good way to rank people, giving them like a numerical value between one and 10, um, especially, especially this category would be something like, um, you know, how, how important are they to the, to the promotion, right? Like where do they kind of fit into the promotion? Are they uh, a main event guy that would get like a, you know, an eight out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, or are they kind of like a upper mid card or, a, you know, like a lower card guy that's only on dark or something like that. They would might only get like a five, right. Or a four or something like that. But I thought, you know, but again, that stuff, that stuff is subjective. All of that is subjective. There's no, there's no clear cut way to rank people, um, that isn't just opinion based or a, a, an educated guess, right? An educated, an educated way to come to um, some kind of a number where you rank people. Um, I was under the impression that there were a lot of people that were working either for PWI or with PWI that every year were putting this this um, list together, and that it was this group effort where everybody would come together. Um, and, and put a lot of effort into this thing and rank these guys and be real serious about it. I, I really thought that's what it was. I thought it was. I thought it was a journalism thing. I really did. I thought it was a thing where people that were that were uh, a part of the industry from a respected journalism or even a historian standpoint, you know, or or maybe former wrestlers, things like that, that had a had an objective view about certain people's talents, things like that, all came together to kind of put this together. Um, I was uh, a little a little disappointed to say the least when I heard the Jim Valley show this weekend. Um, and I don't listen to Figure Four online very often. I, I, honestly, the only time I really ever catch any of those guys anymore is when I just take a drive on a Sunday or something, and I'm out and I'm just trying to get away from get away from life for a couple hours. Well, um, I just happened to click on it, man. I happened to click on the Jim Valley show from Sunday this past Sunday. Um, which was what this day's the 19th. That would have been the 17th. If anybody wants to go back and check that uh, September 17th. Um, and, and, and he, he blew it up. I mean, he blew the doors off of it and said right out that he criticized it. Um, I know that Meltzer criticized it. And I only know Meltzer did it through the Jim Valley show. Cause Jim referenced it. Valley referenced it. Right. Um, so I don't know if, if, if Dave was, uh, always part of the work or if he got worked himself, but I know that Dave criticized some of the rankings and, and that, that uh, Jim Valley criticized some of it too this past week. Um, and people at PWI reached out to Jim Valley and told him that the, the list is fake. It's not real. It's not a real list. There's no, there's no great conglomeration of people that have this database where they put information. It's a kayfabe list that they just put together every year to get people talking and they put people in there and they move people around. And that made me, that made me really sad. It did. It, it actually made me sad to hear that because this is something that I thought was, was, was treated like it was a real thing and it was important. And, you know, I, I over the years, man, I know that the fans would always get up in arms about their, their favorite, you know, wrestlers being moved up and down, things like that. And, and they would be talking about it. And, and the thing too, is a lot of the, I think a lot of the talent gets worked with it because I've seen nothing but people over the years who got pissed, who get pissed off and, and they get, they're like, how the hell am I number, number 86, whenever there's a guy ahead of me at, at 68 that, um, that I did way more than in the past year, how the hell am I 86, these 68? I mean, that, those are very real things that would come up and it, and it was a lot. You see that a lot over, over the years. So I'm disappointed, man, to say the least. And we're going to get more into it here, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really disappointed to, to hear that. 
Yeah, I'm super disappointed too because I always treated the PWI 500 as like it, like the goth like that's the list. Like everyone references the PWI 500 when you want to know. Like if I I know that whenever I got back into wrestling, and that was around 15, 16, was I stumbled on the PWI 500 and I started looking at dudes and seeing where they were on the list, and then I kind of like figured out okay these guys are pretty good. These guys aren't so good. So I literally based my like kind of fandom in the beginning there when I came back to wrestling from the PWI 500 to find out that it's a total sham. It's it, it's a complete work, which totally makes sense because of it's the wrestling business and all that. That totally makes sense. <laughs> but this is something that talents have taken dead serious for years. Like I can think just as of recently as somebody, Jonathan Gresham was taking his PWI ranking, which was what in the top ten or whatever, in the top twenty, he was bringing that to the to the negotiation tables for contract negotiations. Like, and to find out it's a total sham, like they're only going to put over people that they want to put over, which I mean is totally understandable. I mean everything is subjective and all that, but like they've presented this and made this list seem as though it is something more than what it really is, and they've been selling copies digital and physical copies of this for years. They always have a huge media push by the PWI 500 now. That's literally probably the biggest issue that they put out every single year. And to find out that it's a total sham after all these years is like, is a super bummer. And I'm sure back in like 79 or whenever they started this, like they probably had like really great intentions and there probably was a lot of thought put into it. And over the years, you know, it's just got dumbed down and, and lazied out and, it's become what it's become, but this list sucks. Like this list this year sucks. It's been getting worse. It seems like it, it, it look, man, I, I know it's really hard to rank 500 people. It, it was really hard for me to rank 100 whenever we were putting together, you know, our own, um, our own Posky 100 individually so that we could come together and do a group effort 100. It yeah. was really difficult to rank people versus each other. But here's the thing, man. When when there's people that you're not super familiar with, but you know their name and you know that they had a big impact on the on the past year or a big impact on history or whatever it is, dude, I was able to find two to three matches of those people just by Googling their their name and saying so-and-so best matches. And you would go and find links to Daily Motion or to YouTube or something like that. And if you're not super familiar with it, but you want to be familiar with it, it's it's not like it's 85, man. It's, this isn't 1985 where you've got a tape trade. You, yeah. you can go and find these people and investigate who they are. Even the indie guys, you can find matches for these indie guys if you look. I mean, internet wrestling TV, dude, is cheap. Fight TV has got a bunch of stuff. It's what five dollars a month. Go do it and do a search. I mean, it's not it's not so difficult to do that. And what really irritates me about it is, I I love the fact that they're including so many different promotions in this in this 500 whether it's a work or whether it's real whatever the hell it is it's it's a really great opportunity to give a platform to people nationally or globally that don't know who the hell these people are right it's it's it is a big deal for them to be able to do that as a as a talent to be able to have some kind of visibility to get included in the top 500 and when you are just putting this list together 
and you're not having any real effort, which is what it is. It doesn't seem like there was much effort here, um, especially collaboratively. It, it's 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 lazy and it's irresponsible. It is it is irresponsible because there is a way to do this where everybody comes together, a group of people come together, and you you are serious about it, and you send you send you know, names back and forth. What do you guys think about Steve Macklin versus Kenta, right? Or or Mike Bailey's at 39, right? What do you think about Mike Bailey the past year versus Kenta at 40, right? I mean, and just have those internal discussions and to come up with it because some of those people are going to say, you know what, man, I, I've know, I, I've heard of Mike Bailey for years. I don't know who the hell he is. I've never seen him wrestle. I've only ever seen Kenta and NXT. You know, like, I don't know how to rank these people against each other. Well, dude, it's easy to do this. You you just go to Google and you go look at a, a recent Mike Bailey match or the best Mike Bailey match you can find from the past year, the best Kenta match you can find from the past year, and you watch it, dude. And you grade those people out. And if a guy's walking out there with a title on his shoulder, whether it's a prop or whether it's not, it's still an accomplishment for that person, for that for that character. And you've got to be able to weigh those things out against each other to see where they're at. And, and I'm I, I'm I'm really disappointed that they did not put more effort into this. And and it's I really hate the fact that they used the win loss record as part of the criteria for how people get in. Because look, man, if you don't know how to rank people against each other, there's no chance in hell that you're going through and finding out how many damn matches. Alex Shelley lost or won over the past year, man. And for some of these, some of these indie talents, it feels like somebody walked into the office or sent an email and said, Hey man, I know the PW, I know the 500 is coming up here pretty soon. I went to this indie show with my nephew and there was this guy that looked like he might be pretty good. And his name was so-and-so and everybody in the room goes, yeah, okay, cool. Just throw him on the list. Right. Like that's, that's not okay, dude. It's not okay to do that. No. What, effort into it and make it a real list take it seriously make the you, you, look it's a fake industry we all know that we all know it's fake but there's still ways to rank that i mean you can still you can still rank actors against actors right i mean yeah. people people still give reviews of of movies right people still write movie reviews why can't you write reviews of of, of wrestling talent you see what I'm saying? Like there's 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 ways to do this where it can still be presented like what you put out is taken seriously. And I just felt like it was really irresponsible. Yeah, it's it's do you want to run over the criteria that they have? Because I know that there is some criteria. It's yeah, I think I have it right here. Let me let me see where it's at here. So they went through like uh, from from what I have here, it's you know, win loss record championships, won, quality of competition, major feuds prominence within the promotion and overall ability okay here's the issue with that now the eligibility period for for this particular year was july 22 to july 23 okay that's fine you, you go from july to july whatever but we can break this down here based on a win-loss record where the hell are you finding that information how, how is that accurate are you asking people are you asking mike bailey how many matches he had over the over the course of the year and how many he won oh, a week he had like fucking 15 matches at WrestleMania week. He did like five in one day. I mean, dude, it's just and we and you saw one and you saw all 15. And and I'm like, look, I'm not I'm not criticizing Mike Bay. I like him a lot. I, I really do. I think he's a good talent, he's a great athlete. But I mean, we saw that guy have the same match 26 times over the course of three days. We did, yeah. 
you know, and, and well, I don't know how, how many he won or lost. I have no idea. And I'm sure as hell not keeping track of it. Nobody else is either. And he's not keeping track. Of it. Why would you? So the second one, the championships won. Again, we all know these things are props. Now, if you're if you're the world champion within a promotion, that's that's a a, a different kind of deal than it is if you're the freaking, you know, uh, the the light heavyweight champion right it's just a different deal because if you're if you're the the main guy and you're the champ you're the face of the promotion you're the one that does the media you're the one that gets all the credit for everything you're the one that gets the gets the uh gets slighted too if, if the if the, the the paychecks go down and the houses go down so being the champ at the top level does mean something and, and look man i know that all the ones underneath that are kind of props for the most part but they're really but they're also not so but if you're going to use that is a criteria, whether they're real or not, right? Whether they're props or they're not, you're still including that as a criteria for how you're putting people on this list. So, so you're treating it like it's a real thing. Okay, fine. Okay, that's fine. You, you want to use championships as an accomplishment category. I think that's 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 good. Fine, we'll do that. The next one, quality of competition. I mean, dude, how how vague do you want to be with this? Like, how subjective is that? Quality of competition. What does it mean? Yeah, you can't put people that are in WWE can't you you can't hold them to the same same standard as people that are on the indies. Like it doesn't work like that. Like they're not getting the same quality of matches or I mean, dude, Ricochet loses every match he's ever been in. He's one of the most athletic, talented people ever. I mean, come on, dude. Dolph Ziggler gets killed every week, and he's one of the he's probably one of the top wrestlers in the world. I mean, you know, you know what I mean, talent wise. So, I mean, like, what are we? You can't. It's so hard to use that category. It's yeah. just it, again, that's one of the ones that is so vague that it's almost like they have a, a, a mask to hide behind with that, right? Where there's not really any kind of algorithm involved in, in the quote-unquote quality of competition. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. It's just it's just more sub, you know, subjectivity for whoever's putting the, putting the name down. Right. How many times did Masha Slamovich beat Rosemary? And how high is Rosemary for her to count as quality of competition? I mean, dude, I, that's the thing, too, we can get into the 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 – the women thing let's let's hold let's let's earmark that for one second and finish the rest of these categories because i want to come back to that for sure yeah welcome in teddy mongoose hey well <laughs> well it's a big show god, oh god you, get, you guys keep feuds. on keeping on I hope um, major on. major feuds is the next one okay how that is another one that is so subjective because I mean, what are the major feuds for for one called Manders? You know what I mean? Like, I love that guy, dude. I'm so I'm so glad he's on the list. The guy works his ass off. But are you telling me that that one called Manders' feuds are are should be higher ranked than people who have had a six month program? Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. That, that, we should have known that this thing was a total work from the beginning, based off all this criteria. Well, you want it to be real and it's been it, we've tre we've thought it was real since we were kids so of course we thought you know of course you're going to try to treat it like it's like it's a real thing um the next one prominence within the promotion i think that that one i think that one can be graded because if you're if you're someone who um is on tv every week right or or you're on the upper half of the card and, and i'm talking about upper half of the card being the matches that really matter right if you're somebody that's in those matches or you're a main event person you can probably assign a grade to that based on one through ten right if you're if you're a main event guy like uh 
you know, a punk or MJF or, or whoever, you know, whoever it is like Roman Reigns, that, those guys are 10. That's a 10 out of 10. Right. But right. if you're, if you're somebody like Ricky Starks, I mean, you might tell me, well, I think Ricky Starks is a six and I might tell you, I think Ricky Starks is a seven and Mongoose might say, I don't know, dude, he might be, he, he was hurt. He was suspended. Yada, yada. Maybe he's only a five. Right. Well, the, all those numbers all those numbers are different. Everybody's numbers there are different. So are we coming together to grade that out as a as a PWI staff? Or are we just throwing people out there with this, you know, prominence within the promotion kind of stuff that I mean, it's again, it's very subjective. And in and, and the last the last one too, the overall wrestling ability, I mean, I mean, who's grading that, man? Are yeah. you paying are you paying Lance Storm to do that? <laughs> who's grading it? Right. I agree. It's really it's so disappointing, dude. But yeah, I don't know. Look, I look. We're all we're, we've all been we've all been fans for a hundred years, and, and I and I know that you know I can I can tell you that that Kurt Henning is much better in the ring than uh, Top Dollar, right? I, I I can tell you that. I can tell you, Chris Benoit. <laughs> it's, you ain't, you ain't telling. Right, hold on, you you ain't telling me that, baby boy. <laughs> I got to push it best. I mean, I lean TD. Dude, it's just, I I can, I, I don't know, dude. It's Adonis, Adonis, the, the stallion or whatever the hell his name is, is not better than Jushin Thunder Liger. I'll tell you that. And that's, I mean, that's just what it is, man. So I can tell you those things, but I can't tell you whether or not, um, you know, whether or not somebody is a, a seven versus somebody who's a six or, or, or right in there, we're, we're all going to have different numbers for that. But here's here's the biggest thing with me is that that list has obviously been around since we were kids. And I've only ever really, really, I don't want to say paid attention to it, but because, you know, I've been been into the, you know, observer realm and everything to to see more of the the Internet fandom things um, post Lords of Pain, which shout out to Lords of Pain dot net. Wrath of Tito, you're. You're right the Tito, man. Your column was the T-I-T-S. Uh, but the thing is, is that when Kenny Omega was the number one, PWI number one, and when John Moxley was it the year that he came to AEW, and the first time it was Seth Rollins, it, like the thing about it is that nobody scrutinized the list like this. My frustrating thing is I honestly and genuinely feel like they did it this bad on purpose for Pub. It was it was only it was only to get people to talk about it to buy the issue to say PWI over and over again. There's no other reason why it's this bad this year. It never was. Yeah. Three decades, dude. It hasn't been this bad. There's there's no reason for that. Yeah, I mean uh, uh, Baker, you even brought up this weekend about at one point. What didn't Dean Malenko win it? Was he number one at one point? Something like yeah, something like that. Like he was super high on the list. I, I think I think he's right. I think Malenko absolutely in mid nineties, maybe ninety six or ninety seven. Yeah. Like like it used to, it used to be like almost the the Smarks thing, you know, like like one of those things. Like it should have appealed to us specifically, you know, the people that they look. I'm not saying we get it, but I mean the people that get it. Then I understand you're watching a work, but at the same time you're looking for you know what you do in the ring, your your ability, your effort, how. Well, you've not not just how good your pro, your promos and programs are, but how well you've improved from point A to point B. And I, I don't know. I mean, 
Masha Slamovich. That's the one I just can't get over, dude. Is that Will Ospreay is the best, the best actual wrestler in the world, and whatever the quality of program and prominence in the promotion and whatever in ring ability and all that, they have Masha Slamovich. You get better than Will Ospreay. And it's, again, that's on purpose. That is to make me mad. It is. It is literally like Fox News fodder, just to yeah. make me mad. Is, is but, all that it is. No, it, no, it is like that's all that it is. But it, there's no reason why it should be. It is why I'm why I'm frustrated with it too. Is like it doesn't have to be. So why did you do this? Even because even in the realm of of kayfabe, why can't you still put out a list of people that your staff truly believes are ranked one through five hundred? Why are you? Why so, are you so, but where was where was the kayfabe when Dean Malenko won it? Whenever he was the cruiserweight champion, Dude, I don't know. You're gonna, you're gonna like so this. How do you how do you hide under the and, and and again maybe he didn't win it. I'm I'm almost positive that he did. He did. He uh, was, he was number one in 1997. Uh, there you go. I thought it was 96. So 97. Yeah. So where where's your where's your kayfabe thing there? Because you don't have one. Right. Well, like, because he was number one, he was literally if you ask the WCW brass for a, a de- uh, power ranking of their depth chart of talent on the company, they would have had him in the mid 70s beneath the entire NWO black and white behind. Dude, they would have had Dean Malenko behind Crush, behind uh, Scott Norton. Like there's so many people they'd have had him behind. So I don't know. That That's what that's what's annoying is that. Now they could say cafe, but it, this, it was only to make people talk about it. Here's here's well, then, then you then you shot yourself in the foot for all future presentations of this. Yep, yep, yep. They ruined it. Yep, you're exactly right about that. Because well, I'm never going to give a shit about this ever again. Here's some notable number ones, which is really funny because Diesel was number one in '95. Uh, <laughs> the Miz was number one in 2011. I mean, but why wouldn't they? And especially the thing with Diesel, sorry for just clearing my throat on the air, uh, but the thing is with Diesel, uh, as much of an, a, a, like a train wreck in retrospect as that title reign was, bro, he beat the champion in seven seconds in Madison Square Garden, and he didn't lose for 11 months. Exactly. And it was the number one promotion, and so who who's mad at that? And, um, and that, that's the person that should be number one. Yep, yep, and even even the Miz, like, it, you, the Miz is our favorite geek on this show, obviously. But at that time, I mean, yeah, he was a champion. I don't know. I he should should the Miz have been one? No, but could you argue for it that year? Probably, absolutely. I don't know. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's Benoit, Batista, Cena, Orton, Triple H. Was it twice? Um, CM Punk was 2012, Seth Rollins was 15, Reigns was 16, uh, Okada was 17, Omega was 18, Rollins again in 19. So, uh, Rollins is a three time, literally 15 through 15 through 19. Uh, those are all correct. All those are correct. Like, everyone, I mean, yeah, those none, are all none correct. Of those are fake. None of those are fake. No, yep. I just don't understand where this one came so far out of left field. Was Moxley 20? Uh, Moxley was, yeah, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, so so then, so then those are five straight that they got nailed it. 
Yeah, and then Kenny was 21, Roman Reigns was 22, and then obviously – Six straight, seven straight. Dude, seven straight is the last seven years, you want to tell me? And I'm not saying that all 500 were correct, but you want to tell me that they were – that they, they they absolutely know what's going on that much because you just named the best seven wrestlers of the year every year for seven years in a row, and I wouldn't argue a second about any of them. Right. I, I guess the thing about it is, is that we're not really arguing about not, uh, none of us here are arguing about number one. We're like arguing about like number 13. <laughs> well, you're, yeah, you're right about that. But the thing is, is it like, I think that it starts with number one well, because giving it to giving it to Seth, like they can say everything that they want to say and, and people chant Seth's song. But like Seth is Seth is the B champion. And I, I I feel like if being honest, I maybe you guys disagree using only the criteria that y'all went through before the, the number one wrestler from last year, just using that criteria is probably orange Cassidy. I was about to say the same thing. Yeah. So there you go. Well, so Cassidy was, he was pretty high on the list. He's number eight, but, but I'm saying just using that criteria. Yeah. And the thing is, is I think they knew that they couldn't use Cassidy. And so then I think that they turned it into a gimmick. Oh, yeah, true. Well, I mean, gimmick gimmick or not, the, the laziness continues because they forgot one of the greatest wrestlers in the in the damn world in the whole 500. They, they had to apologize to him, dude. They actually had to apologize. How do you how do you miss the guy that's been leading a faction and is one of the top 10 wrestlers of the last 20 years? Who just won the G1 a month ago? So bad. And how, how do you not have any connections to let you know that he's about to win the G1? How do you not or have? Through, how do you not have a reviewer go through this and say, "Hey, dude, you forgot to put this guy in, who's one of the top stars in the in the in the the second biggest promotion in the world." How do you, how do you miss that? And I'll tell you what, Naito had a better year than Okada did. So Naito, Naito to me probably should be number seven. Yeah, it's yeah. Some of these names on this list, uh, in the top, and some people in the top twenty. Like, I, I don't want to kick rocks at people, but like, I don't feel like Josh Alexander should be in the top ten. I don't feel like Masha Slamovich should be in the top twenty. Um, I, 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 I'm biased because one of them is my actual favorite, but I don't understand how Osprey and Omega aren't in the top ten. Yeah. They had two of the best matches I've ever seen in my entire life that are objectively two of the best matches that anyone's ever seen in their entire life. And they did one on the biggest show in the third biggest promotion of the year's Super Bowl. And they did the other one on the second biggest promotion in the world's, uh, you know, crossover with that first promotion. But like those two matches alone, but then look at all those things we went through talking about Omega the last time. The Vikingo match. Um, I'm just I'm vent, I'm venting about them not having Oscar and Omega in the top ten. Well, the two two of the, there were a couple that really stood out to me. And look, even if this thing is all is all kayfabe, like it still doesn't make sense. Like even in the world of kayfabe, it's it's just it's dumb, right? Because Tony D'Angelo won a belt on a nationally televised weekly TV show. In his way behind Dark Sheik. What? In the rankings, dude. 
I mean, look, I've seen Dark Sheik wrestle probably 15 times over the course of the past year. There, it's just, it's not, it's not real that that person should be anywhere close to the top, whatever they're close to. What, uh, what is- uh, Tony, Tony D won a belt and had probably 70 hours of TV devoted to him. Yeah, how much, how much time was devoted line. to that storyline? Literally had so I mean, how about the fact, how about the, okay, so they said that their year ran from July to July, right? I, I don't even know when D'Angelo won that belt, so I don't know. But I will say this, Braun Breaker was on a nationally televised TV show every single week and was the champion, didn't lose that NXT title until April, and he was 37. So how the hell is Carmelo Hayes 13? Well, I mean, I guess Carm- I would kind of maybe argue Carmelo might be a little bit higher than him. I personally thought Carmelo was better than Breaker, but I'm I guess I'm just thinking about the highlights. Like his his matches were I guess he's a more flat I guess because he's a more flashier pick than what Breaker probably is. But um Carmelo Hayes, I felt like is a top twenty guy, I felt maybe, or maybe right outside the top twenty. Like he had a really good year. I don't know if it was better than Breakers, but I don't think that Breaker should be like as I mean, I feel like Breaker, we talked about him all the damn time. He was one of the guys we were talking about WrestleMania weekend a lot. Like, yeah, he was the NXT champion. How about this one? Kojima, who we all like, um, had one notable match and is 60 places ahead of Wesley, Damian Priest, uh, Finley, and Dominic Mysterio. Yeah. Dom, where where is Dom on the list? Way down. Seriously? Is he not in the top 100? I'm looking right now, too. Where's he at? We might have to just do a search. Command F. Let's see what we got here. Dom's not in the 100. This list sucks. 94. He haven't been 94. Okay, okay. I thought he was close to the around the 100. Still, there's no way that there's... There's not... I don't think there's... 50 more people that had a better year than Dom Mysterio. Like, no, there's not. The, 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 the whole thing that what we're trying to get at here is that once you get out of like the top 25, everything becomes so subjective that you can just throw names at, at a chalkboard, dude. And that's all it is. And that that is where I have the issue because there's still a way to rank all of those people and, and do this in a responsible, um, respectful way. For all of them, and to not just throw names onto a list, man, it's not it's not okay to do that. And look, if there's if, if there's only one person in that office that is familiar with all 500 people or 450 of them, then that person should be the one ranking them. Yeah, it's just not. <laughs> it's not. It, where's Where's David Finley? I'll tell you right now. He's 74. 74. You know what? That's probably fair. Seriously, that's probably fair. Yeah, I was I, that. That was one that I was curious about because he was starting to get a push, and seventy-four sounds fair. Now the seventy-three people ahead of him, I'm probably going to be irritated about, but seventy-four sounds fair. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like Wardlow should not be ahead of him, but here we are. No, with no, without a doubt, he should. Yeah, without a doubt, Wardlow should not be forty-seven, but here we are. But, uh, but yeah, that, right, we got LA Knight at one thirty. 
LA Knight is at 130. You got to remember, LA Knight got hot, though, at WrestleMania. That it, he yeah. got hot too late. He got hot, yeah. He didn't get hot. That, that's that's the that's the argument against LA Knight is that he got hot too late. That doesn't mean that you know he, I would yeah, I would say that he months. should be somebody around he should be someone around 100 because that is a third of the year. Right. Yeah. But but yeah. Some of the year. But um. Look, yeah. I, I don't. It's not even. It's it's not even that I think again. There's there. I don't have any problem with the people who are on the list. I don't no. have any problem with that. I just have a problem with the fact that they just threw a bunch of names onto a list without anything really ranking anybody. Right. That's, that's what pisses me off. It's lazy. Um, but yeah, but that's the PWI 500. Uh, we can do a plug for the Podsky 100 here too, because we've been uh, working on this. We're going to be turning in our lists and then starting to put them all together uh, at the end of this week. Uh, so if you're following along on YouTube, you can see all the rules um, on the screen right now. Uh, but if you're listening, um, we're going to be taking uh, our true list of 100. And this is a, not an all-time list. This is a list from when Hogan won the belt from Sheik. So this is uh, 83 to present day, a, one, a list of 100 best wrestlers. This will be strictly for the men. Uh, we're going to do the women later down the road. Um, but we wanted to keep it men and single stars only. We're not putting tag teams together. Uh, and this is a list where we're going to, compile everybody's list see who was who they had at one give that whoever scores the highest scores across everyone's list um and it's basically if you rank number one you get 100 points if you rank 100 you get one point and we're gonna put everyone's list together take each entrance compile their numbers and do the list that way whoever has the most points wins and will be crowned the podski uh the the number one ranking and um, that's how we're kind of doing that. We're going to be releasing that, uh, from batches of 10 and then event, like there's going to be a whole group of everybody. So everyone that's bringing this list together, they're all regulars. Uh, Andretti's a part of it. Mongoose is a part of it. We got JC from hot shots. We got, um, beautiful Bobby winners. Who's been on here a few times. We got bricks Malone. Uh, so basically everybody that will be at WrestleMania is putting together this list and, um so yeah super excited about it and um i don't know if uh, andretti's got anything else to say about it but i put together my list and i will say this for pwi it was hard as hell to put together a list of 100 yes, it was, it was. difficult so i understand that but like put some damn put some better effort into it yeah hats off to george south for getting in there this year at uh 492 congrats <laughs> Yeah. Who was Mr. Relevant? Who was number 500? Andre Chase, who I don't even know if he had more than two singles matches on TV the whole year. You know what? I'd have given him. I would have put him in there just so he'd be in the top 500. Because <laughs> bless, bless, bless the child on that gimmick, man. I like him too. But I mean, they, they got Jack really low on here. Jack's a guy who's been consistently in a, in a feud a lot over, over the course what, of that. Where's Dragunov? Because Ilya Dragunov, and th this is skewed because it's recency bias, but He's a top 20 guy in the world right now. Where's 150, he at? 151. <laughs> Behind Nick Wayne. Oh, my. Prominence in promotion. Like, and here's, how many months? So here's the thing with Nick Wayne is that this is all pre-AW debut. So 
their prominence in the promotion is Defy. And like, look, no offense to Defy, but Defy is a local promotion. Yeah. That's what we were talking about earlier about like the strength of competition. Like it, you can't weigh them the same. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so moving on to uh, there was a big uh, return this week. Uh, we had Dwayne The Rock Johnson show up on every single uh, media platform that he could get his face in front of. He was not only on uh, he was on McAfee's show, he was on Game Day, he was everywhere, and he made his return to uh, WWE on uh, SmackDown Friday night to a enormous pop um one of the biggest pops that we've had in wwe in a long 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 time at least as far as i can remember um it's pretty shocking even though it kind of he really pissed everybody off and well not everybody but he definitely pissed me off earlier in the day whenever he was on mcafee show and he decided to pull the pin on a grenade and launch it into the room and say here figure it out um whenever he basically said that Roman and Rock was supposed to be the main event of WrestleMania 39, which there was much speculation that we had talked about on this podcast for a while, um, but never came to fruition. And it was ultimately from what I know that Meltzer had said about, like it was his call and that he was out of shape. So if that was the the plan, he just, the long or the short, how I feel about this, he went on there and straight up lied all weekend to generate buzz to try to insert himself into WrestleMania 40 because they got nothing to do right now because of the writer's strike. And he's openly available to do anything that he wants now in terms of WWE because there's nothing else taking up his schedule. So um wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Rock returning and uh, we're going to do some fantasy booking as well. Because I we believe we, we took a lot of time to talk about this all weekend. We spent an, an exorbitant amount of time trying to figure out what is the right thing to do with The Rock and Roman and how this inserts into the storyline that they presently have already in place, uh, what they've already done, and potentially where they could be going. And we believe we cracked the code. So uh, we already know that somebody's listening to the damn pod because a lot of the stuff we talk about on here ends up coming true. So... Uh, maybe we'll maybe maybe we'll give them we'll lay the groundwork and the foundation for uh, the end of this bloodline story. Yeah, go ahead, Mongoose. Yes. So, so my first thing is, you say he's lying. John, he's a worker, so he's working. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan hasn't told the truth in forty years, and so what if for him to go on all these platforms? And for him to generate buzz, I my thing is the timing is very interesting because this didn't just happen on during the um, writer strike. This happened after the week that Endeavor had formally acquired WWE. I'm glad you brought that up. And so, yeah, and so to think that that wasn't a carefully calculated thing is. I think that it's irresponsible to to forget that. Um, him splashing in, I, I hate to say it, but this is my theory with this. I think that you put him on McAfee to generate some buzz. 
You have them show up just to see what happens. And what you're doing is you're testing waters. And if he moved needles and not just a pot, but if he moved needles and he moved ratings, which he absolutely did, they, they, uh, over 2.8 million viewers whenever he was out there unannounced on the first segment of that show Friday. To me, this was for nothing to do for him wrestling on 40. Uh, This has everything to do with what they hinted at when Cena came out during that Money in the Bank show. Um, Because AEW ran Wembley, they need a main event for WrestleMania 41 at Wembley. And the only match that they have that is going to sell out Wembley, and I mean sell out Wembley, 90K, not 82,000 sold with 74,000 through the turnstiles. I mean, 90,000 sold, 90,000 through the turnstiles is Rock and Roman, and that is what we're setting the uh, groundwork for right now. Mm, bless the child. What did you think it's, about uh, Is homeboy going to be the champ going into 41? I, you know, I, and the thing is, it no. And yeah. the reason I say no is they did it before, and they don't need to do it again because just him walking out there made 3 million people turn their TVs to that. Oh, and I'm talking about Reigns. All... Is, is Reigns still going to be the champ? Oh, with, without a doubt. That's, <laughs> I, feel bad for, I feel bad for John because he's killing Cody dead uh, at Mania 40. And if he doesn't, it's, he's going to loan Cody the belt uh, the way that they did Kofi Kingston um, a couple of years ago. That's and right. then Roman's going to murder him on the way to WrestleMania. That's okay. As long as he wins one while I'm there. I can't go to two WrestleManias and get cucked out of a Cody Rhodes win back-to-back years in a row, can I? Well, you got plenty of time to prepare for it. <laughs> the, and I, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, though, John. The thing about it is, if that is their grand plan, it's to sell th- to sell those tickets – as annoying as I'm as much as I just hate them counting these days because he defends this belt three times a year. I got news for you, man. He ain't losing. No, I know. Like, like he's, he's not, he's not going to lose it. I'm, I'm preparing. I'm preparing my body. I'm preparing, but yeah, I guess he's going to have the damn belt. I don't think he needs to have the belt. They could do that match without the belt and sell just as many tickets, but just to make sure that they do, and to make sure that it's the biggest match ever, it, it will be for the belt. Do you know the one thing the rock here's the thing, and I didn't even think about it, but the rock might win that Seth Rollins belt. Uh, oh. So what are you thinking? How do you think he gets there? Me? Yes, you. So he doesn't do the rumble. Um but if they wanted to be championship champion versus champion, there's the Saudi show. Is the Saudi show? Would they have one before Mania? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. It would it would depend on what what the Saudi show was that year. The Rock could absolutely beat whoever has that world belt at Saudi, and then do champion versus champion. But to be honest, all they need to do is have Rock show up to the, at the end of forty and say, "Roman, I'll see you next year." for the for the head of the table or whatever. That's what that's what I thought. So in in my in my the way that I was laying out the framework is that Rock is going to come in and he's going to support Roman and be in the bloodline. 
in that he would try to bring the family back together. He would try to get Jay back within the family and bring Jimmy back in. Like he would mend all the fences and all the bridges would be rebuilt. And then they would be rock solid headed into mania. And then rock would stop the interference. Like he wouldn't allow the Usos to jump in. He wouldn't allow solo to jump in and, and then Cody would win. And then the rock would step in and say, you know, you just lost because you need all this help. And I'm here to prove that I'm the real head of the table. I'm the head of the bloodline and I'll see you at 40 one. So yeah, that could be it. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. I, I think, I don't even know if he's going to show up that much between now and 40. I think rock just runs out at 40 and stops. Solo Sokoa from hitting somebody in the throat and prevents the interference and Reigns loses the title to somebody. Yeah. Whether that's Jay or whether that's Cody or whether that's, you know, I, I don't know who the hell, you know, but it, I, I, it could just be something as simple as that. And the other thing too, is that it's, it's thrown in our face a lot in these, in these uh, press conferences is that they're only at the bottom of the third inning. So like at some point we got to move innings here. We got, we just can't be stuck in the third inning all the time. We got to make movements here. So um, oh, the bottom, the bottom of the third puts us in the, the sixth inning this time next year. So then the ninth inning is rumble season the year after. <laughs> yeah. I, so that, I mean, that, it, that literally could be it is that the bottom of the ninth inning could be, uh, Mania 41, because that, you know, Heyman said that bottom of the third thing. Twice. He said go. Twice. Oh. So, so there you go. I Yeah, I don't know. But um, it's definitely big business. They got over 100 and like 3 million views over the weekend on YouTube. So like it's it's big business. It instantly brought in 3 million viewers like. It's a bit, it's big business. It's a big deal. It is the money match. And I know that I had talked to people uh, on Twitter over the weekend and they were like, what's your, why, why does everyone think Cody has to win the belt? Well, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, yes, I under, I, I can get on both sides where I can say that, yes, this needs to be for the belt, but I can also get with it real. I guess my own, my own fandom, <laughs> is is creeping in here but i don't want to see that happen to cody again so i'm like shit like we got to have cody win it but it doesn't need th this roman rock thing doesn't need the belt but in what you're saying mongoose that like if they want to legitimately sell ninety thousand tickets and they want ninety thousand asses in seats like the only way to super to i mean they're gonna sell those tickets no matter what but you're gonna you you, you put a four-year title reign against against the rock there's nothing better you can do this is the biggest match since WrestleMania 17. I feel like uh, it could be. It could be argued that it's bigger than 17 because we saw 17 too many as before. Mm. It's probably the biggest match since The Rock and Hogan at 18. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. So, so a year later, but for different reasons. Gotcha. Yeah. That is true. I mean, it's it's huge. Like this is, it's 
enormous. And and for people to say that like this is the biggest money match to do it this year, they've already sold the tickets. Like I want like uh, exactly. And- Andretti made that huge point in the group chat this week. So I'll let you, I won't steal your whole thunder on that one, but. No, I think you're right. If you, you sell those tickets for the Wembley show, which they're going to have, they're going to do a mania in, in London. It's going to be in Wembley and they're going to want to, they're going to want to have the biggest gate that has ever happened. And they need to have the biggest match that they could possibly get. And it ain't going to be Jay Leno versus Dennis Rodman. It's going to be, I mean, it should be that, but it's going to be, it's going to be Reigns and rock dude. And they're going to build towards 41, and that's probably the right call. Yeah. Oh, it's, abs- it's absolutely the right call. If they can make it gonna happen. Get, they're going to get a lot of people from the United States to fly in for that match, fly in for that show. They, dude, they'll get they'll get people. The, the entire European Union is going to try to go to that. The U.S. is going to fly into that. It, and, and again, the, because of what All In just did and because they announced another one, to plop and to plop a mania right in between those is a double middle finger, one on each hand to each of those AW shows. Right. And that it checks all the all the WWE boxes. Oh, they're absolutely gonna walk in there and big dick swing around that, you know, you sold eighty-two thousand tickets and you had seventy-four people in there. Uh, but we're gonna sell ninety and we're gonna have more than ninety in the building. Like uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and we thought that getting tickets was hard for 40, not only like price wise and all that and trying to get all that together, trying to get tickets for that show might be even worse. It's going to be like, if it, like if they announced that match before they put the tickets on sale, that could be like a WrestleMania 20 situation where like those tickets were impossible to come by. And especially like they sell them on Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster has massive problems with ticket sales. Like they're they ain't gonna be cheap. I'll tell you that much. It ain't gonna be cheap. Yeah, but yeah, I that is the match. That's what the match they've been building to all. They're gonna gonna build that as the biggest match ever. Is what they're gonna build it as. Right. A couple years after they did the Randy Orton um, Edge thing, that was the greatest. Who's Who's Edge? Who's Orton? Who are those people? I know. You I remember whenever they built, they yeah. definitely build that as the greatest match ever. <laughs> Did they think we were sorry about Joe Damlock? <laughs> where where were they in the PWI 500 after that match? Oh, I don't know. Oh my god. Speaking of Edge, is he going to show up tomorrow night on uh on the Grand Slam? Well, I'll tell you this much: I went back and I went back and watched um, some of the Edge and Christian show on Peacock. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's funny, and they have a lot of great chemistry, and there's zero chance that they're not going to try to bring that guy in. Dude, the- I, I think I think John's right. I think he shows up tomorrow. I think he shows up tomorrow and has the big, 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 big moment, and then they try to parlay that into Rampage viewers by him coming back on Rampage and announcing who his match is going to be at the Wrestle Dream show. Mm. Okay, I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that too. The, the funny thing is that you mentioned that Andretti is that uh, the Edge and Christian show that was on the network is not nearly as good as what the actual podcast was. The actual podcast was phenomenal. I mean, those guys are great together, man. You you have to you have to do everything you can to bring that guy in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but back to the Christian. Dude, Christian Christian's been a home run, and yeah, yeah. and they're and and they're the same. 
Christian has been everything that a guy that's his age should be. Christian has been Jericho, except he doesn't have Jericho's pedigree. He's come in. He's talked people into the building. He's had incredible matches, even well beyond his years. Uh, and he's put everybody over. And and Edge isn't going to do that. He's not going to not do the same thing. And that's exactly what he should be. And that's awesome. And then we, and then we get Edge and Christian versus the Young Bucks. We get Edge and Christian versus FTR. We get Edge and Christian versus Aussie Open. We get Edge and Christian versus the Lucha Brothers. Like, yeah, I mean, so all of that. why not? Bless the child on that one. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll say it again on that one. Um, and no, that's not even to consider all the singles matches we could get because that that um look, it's hard to just go by one match, but that Edge and Sheamus match was fantastic. They, those guys did a hell of a job together. Edge can still work, man. There's still a lot of gas in that tank. Just to get the, the singles match, get the big singles match with him and MJF. Give me him and Adam Cole. Give me him and anybody that can work. And, that, I mean, that's a that's awesome. I want to see all those matches. Amen, amen. You know what would yeah, be, great, be great to do would be for him, for Takeshi to, to beat him. Takeshi should beat him. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And – and you know uh, something that we talked about in the chat, but this run is Edge's only chance to make the Observer Hall of Fame. Yeah, because his newest, his latest comeback didn't happen. He's but got you know one you know why chance. though? Like here's here's the problem with that too though, uh, Teddy was that they weren't letting Edge be Edge whenever he came back to do this WWE run. Edge is a very funny person. He's got good he's got good comedy. He's got good comedic comedic timing. All those kind of things. When he's worth with Christian and he's doing those kind of things where he's himself and a little bit sillier and a baby face and whatnot is when he's at his best. And I think if they yeah. let him do that, let him do that and let him be the, the the fan favorite baby face and let him be that guy, man, he's got a shot. Yeah, you're right about that. Absolutely. They they don't book they don't book legends bad because no. Sting's the best book person in that in that promotion and Christian. He he hasn't been a ten out of ten, but he's been a nine out of ten. He really has. Christian's awesome, and everything they've done with him's awesome. So I I've I have faith that they would do the same with with Edge. Yeah, I think I, I I am rooting for Edge at this point, and I know I've been an Edge detractor for a long time, but I would love to see him come in and have a nice run for two years, whatever the hell it ends up being, put people over, have a good time, get a paycheck, help out the company, man, and let it let it go to where it needs to go. But I'm, I'm pulling for him to have a great run. I really am. Yeah, we definitely are. We're rooting for you, Edge, if you're uh, going to actually show up tomorrow night at Grand Slam. Uh all right. Well, we uh we can talk about this. Uh, we can talk about this main event ski if you want to. Because I, let, 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 I yeah, you tell me. I'll set the table. Yes. Uh. So we are gonna do. I'm so I'm so excited for this. Um. I, th this is my wheelhouse. So we're talking about Unforgiven 2003. This is ultimate fandom for me. I am in my bag. Like this is. I remember watching the build to this. Um, that like I wanted to go to this show and just because it was in chocolate tan and I'll, I'll let you set the table, uh, mongoose, give it, take it away. Before I get into it, I need to say that, that 
this show took place on September 21st, 2003, but something more important happened on September 17th, 2003. And that more important thing was that Randy Savage was scheduled for a concert debut at Mr. B's nightclub and restaurant in Treasure Island, Florida. Bubba the Love Sponge, who was Hulk Hogan's best friend, uh, who was Hogan's worst enemy, took it upon himself to ruin the show. Uh, he basically gave a bunch of concert goers t-shirts that said Macho Man sucks on the back and Hulk Hogan rules on the front. Uh, and he sent them in there to haze and ruin the Macho Man's concert. Uh, the restaurant management allowed to refuse any of those people in with the idea of keeping the hecklers out, but because the venue held less than 200 people, uh, the hecklers still got in to ruin the show. Savage and Brian Chronic Adam was living off of a London career-ending insurance policy, as well as working for security for Savage during his rap shows, was there, and he and Savage came out and were booed, where fans were shouting, crapped your pants at gold's gym at him um savage was lip-syncing songs from his rap album and people were chanting hogan at him the cd then started to skip there was big embarrassment he continued to lip-sync even as the song skipped before he got so mad that he slammed down his microphone and stormed off ending the concert after three songs rest in peace macho man randy savage September 17th, 2003. Oh. <laughs> I don't even have anything for that. Other than I, I, the album is going. Man, I wish I was on that. Dude, uh, that. I would have worked. That'd be a man hawk. <laughs> I would have loved to hang out with Crush, dude. I would love I to just gonna say, Crush you'd, and be on the security. You'd have been, standing, you'd have been standing there with Crush. Yep, you'd have been standing there with Crush. <laughs> so I, I needed to get that in i was going to save that for the end of the show but since andretti's still here i had to get that in first oh. so so the show itself this is let me, let me say let me say this real quick dude let Go me say this real quick Go i found out last night for the first time while i was watching the show again and, and, and trying to recap that hershey park arena and the giant center are not the same thing no they're not I thought they were the same damn thing. No, they're totally different. I've never been to the Giant Center. I've never been to Giant. I've, I've only been in the Hershey Park Arena. Oh man, Giant Center's beautiful, man. Beautiful this time of year. God. Yeah, Giant Center is a great venue. It yeah, really is. It's yeah. A, so they've been they've been going back. So a little plug for the Giant Center is that the last like few times they've had shows there, they're legit sellouts. Mm -hmm. Well, that um. The house show we were at sold out, and then the SmackDown that was there before that was people hanging off the rafters sold out. Me and Trigger Trey were there for a sold-out Raw. Um, You're there for Brody? And then they were just back there for another SmackDown. Yeah. And that was the Cena, the Cena re-debut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they'll get a pay-per-view soon. Like, it, like in the next two years, they'll definitely get a pay-per-view. I'd love it because because they they yeah a B a B pay per view they'll get a an unforgiven well I said unforgiven but you know they'll get they'll get one of those yeah. um, okay so uh, just so the crowd knows uh, mongoose was at this show 
So an 18-year-old Theodore went to this in a Raw is Jericho shirt with a fist on it, uh, probably had on baggy ball head jeans and airwalk shoes. I uh, had a lot more hair than I do now. Uh, and this was the first time that I got to see Babyface Shawn Michaels perform. Um, having said that, before this show started, the only two things that I knew about this were that Shawn Michaels was on it and that Goldberg went. Um, and what's crazy is that I didn't remember Goldberg wrestled Triple H, nor did I remember that uh, Shawn Michaels wrestled Randy Orton. Uh, nor did I remember anything else that happened on this entire thing. And this was, this was, and that dude, this wasn't for any, you know, th there's no intoxication. There was nothing like that. And then I watched this whole show and I knew exactly why I remembered nothing that was on this entire show. It wasn't bad, but it was, you want to talk about a show, which is exactly what this was from 2003. So I set the table for you really quick. This show came to us. From September 21st, Sunday, September 21st, 2003. It was at the Giant Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. The um, crowd at this night, or for this night, was uh, 10,347 people. Sellout paid $560,000. All-time pro wrestling record for Hershey at the time. The show was 21% thumbs up. 44% thumbs down and 34.7% thumbs in the middle from Wrestling Observer subscribers at the time. Best match poll was Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton. Worst match was Ross and Lawler versus Coachman and Snow. You want to talk about something that I did not know that I was going to see. That would have been it right there. <laughs> I didn't either. So, came out. Uh, yeah, so... That was that was what we have right there. I the, love uh, the lead. I, I, I gotta I gotta Go get ahead. this in right now because I don't know how much time I ultimately have. How awesome was that that um, segment before the main event when King and, and Jr. are sitting there and they're both like real disheveled and real quiet? It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. That's the era where Jim Ross just didn't give a shit and he would just call. It was fun no good dirty sons of bitches on the air and it is so good oh it was so good i know the the, the observers are wrong on this one because that well, is it, not the worst match on this show that was terrible it was uh, watching jim ross in an oklahoma sooners jersey <laughs> trying to throw haymakers on jonathan coachman and get <laughs> drop kicked by chris jericho like that's a pay per view match. This this isn't this was this was a nightmare. That was a main uh, event one of the things that I absolutely loved about it was, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I loved about it was that, and, and it actually got noted in the Observer. I read it after I watched the show. Um, <laughs> was that Lawler pulls his strap down, waiting for this big pop, and nobody knew what the hell he was doing. Everybody was like, "Put your hairy nipples away, old man," and that would have popped three. Like that would have popped, like three-fourths of america 40 years ago you know what i mean or, or anybody in the south even today and nobody in hershey knew what the hell was going on oh my god uh, i got i gotta lead in this really quick too um so i needed to say that uh that this was the third time that they tried to get ross off of tv 
And, and the time before that was when Kane burned him alive. And I completely <laughs> forgot about that, that he laid him down and lit him on fire while a huddled mass in an Oklahoma jersey just got burned to a crisp. Yes, I can't. Uh, seriously, I can't wait to talk about this Kane-Shane McMahon match. I can't. I know that you guys probably hated this, but I loved this show. No, this this was well. Th- that match was great. It, it, it was that that match was awesome. Uh, two things I need to say before we talk about the show. First one, the quote that I have from the Observer is: "In wrestling, dating back to such luminaries as Luthez, Strangler Lewis, and Stephanie McMahon, there is a saying: we can do it the hard way or the easy way. Well, in this case." Nobody was whispering for that for a title change, but they could do it the smart way or the dumb way. Well, the dumb way was going to pacify the ego of the boyfriend, and few thought anything different would happen. I thought that was awesome. The other thing is that the response for the show was way down from a normal WWE pay-per-view. It was actually down 30% from recent shows. Um, And Dave's big gripe was that this should have been the number one B show of the year because of the main event that you had. And because they killed Goldberg dead going into it yeah, and spent the entire time saying WCW sucks and so does Goldberg. And dude, even Lawler said something in that match about that Goldberg isn't the sharpest knife of the drawer in the drawer, but he can still cut you. Like we didn't just knock down the guy that you're about to put the belt on. I, I thought that was, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was it is that, I mean, it was one of those things where, this Goldberg run, man, it was doomed before it started. That okay, so that belt that he wins, uh, spoiler alert, is that the only heavyweight title they have at the time? No, they have the WWE. No, they that's the world heavyweight. Yeah, they have a raw and a SmackDown belt. Okay, yeah. I got it. Yeah, they're they're in a full brand split. So in 2003, they're in a full brand split brand split, and this is the raw pay-per-view. I was gonna say, I was surprised that Vince was allowing them to feature that wcw belt so prominently well they brought it back specifically for triple h and and then flair was there and bischoff was running raw at the time so it kind of made sense so like yeah. a year before that that's whenever bischoff came out on raw and just handed that belt out of a halliburton right to triple h for not even winning a damn thing and that's when the reign of terror started okay uh but yeah so the my quick notes to piggyback off what you just said mongoose is that um this was a super quick turnaround for a pay-per-view because four weeks before that was SummerSlam 2003. And that's where they had the second elimination chamber match. And that's where uh, Flair slides that sledgehammer through the, through the chamber and it's like perfect. And it goes right into triple H's hands and then triple H, they kill Goldberg dead, like literally beat the tar out of him. And then on the go-home edition of Raw, right before this, they beat the shit out of Goldberg again in a steel cage. So, or that wasn't the go-home. That was the one before the go-home. But there was such a quick turnaround to this show that it felt, because I went back and watched watched the build, and there was such a quick turnaround. They, they were just going boom, 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 boom. Like, it felt so condensed and so tight that it was like, why... We could have, we didn't have to have a pay per view this soon. Like, it didn't feel like it was needed. Um, well, they were doing 12 a year, and so you're, you know, you're a slave to the schedule at that time. But that, that's, and that's when you said that the, the, to go back to what the Meltzer thing was from the Observer that, that week. Um, 
while the buy rate might tell a different story, it looks like all decisions in this program from destroying the character at first to not doing the switch to SummerSlam to pinning Goldberg at SummerSlam to the promos designed more devaluing Goldberg ended up serving the master. The master, of course, being Triple H, who will get the title back from both the limited and devalued champion upon request. <laughs> so, and the thing is here is that um, they then say later on, which, you know, I went and read through after, uh, that he was actually leaving to go do some movies and he was getting married and he had his honeymoon. And so the only reason, the reason this is so rushed is that he wasn't going to let this thing go until he absolutely had to. And yeah. then he did. And it was just because he was going to be on vacation. Right. And he also was going through the groin tear. Okay. And this is Triple H biker shorts era. With mm -hmm. of the biker shorts. Funny. Which is funny. It's really funny until like, cause I, cause I remember whenever I was like, cause I was, this was around my, this is my 11th birthday. Cause I full disclosure, full shoot. My birthday's on the 23rd. So I was kind of secretly hoping back in 2003 that this would be my birthday present. Um, and that Triple H comes out in these biker shorts and I'm like, what the hell? Why, why is Triple H wearing these shorts? Like, what the hell are those? And then to find out later, because I didn't have the Observer back in the day. I didn't I didn't have all the dirt and all that. I found it out whenever he was on Barstool talking about it that he had a groin tear. Um, and that it he barely could get into those uh, biker shorts to literally have those matches. And it kind of showed because he had to gut his... I mean, even Meltzer wrote it in the write-up is that he had to gut his way through the end of this match. Right, which, which gives every credence to he could have lost the damn belt at SummerSlam. He could have. He could have. Like, if, you're, if your groin's torn, you don't need to wrestle another month and, and you know, do you another know, match. You know, the other thing that I think about that is the only reason that Triple H had to win at that elimination chamber was not for Goldberg. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with Goldberg. I think that it had everything to do with it for the fact that in uh, the November for, for the previous survivor series, which was like what, six months earlier, uh, maybe nine months earlier is that he lost that belt to Sean. And then this ends up leading to them having the, you know, the, the closure with the big matches at bad blood and all those, where they finally end the big Sean and triple H saga. But like, it almost felt like Triple H had to get his win back in the chamber because he lost to Sean. Oh, without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt, because he he was already hurt. And the thing about being already hurt, the best thing about being in a work sport is that you're allowed to pick who wins and loses. Yeah. So this isn't one of those things where oh we booked this fight and you know he's hurt. What do we like? He he knows who's winning and losing before they go out there. And right. he could say, I can't really walk. I'm puffy and I'm uh, undefined because I can't exercise anymore. Go ahead and beat me. And instead it was, well, let's get another month in. Nah. This, this, the, it just pains me. It pains me. I'm talking about trips like this because he's my favorite of all time. But I was destroyed, literally destroyed whenever I tuned into Raw the following night to see Goldberg carrying that belt. I was destroyed. Well, how long did that last? When they put the belt on Gold on Goldberg? Long, literally trips. Came, as soon as trips came back, he got it back. Oh, I'm pretty sure. And, and you know, degrees, he had the he had the, he had the belt back, didn't he? I can't even remember. It wasn't very long. I I, I think it was WrestleMania or uh, Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Go Goldberg, because Goldberg wrestles Brock at twenty. Yeah, I think he loses it at Rumble or somewhere somewhere around that time. 
Yeah, because go yeah, because Goldberg is gone in you know another eight months, so they didn't keep it on him long. Yeah. Yeah, he- and the one other thing with that is um this guy with this ego, uh, those don't go away. And to remind everybody that CM Punk has said or rather said to Triple H's face, I don't need to wrestle you at WrestleMania. You need to wrestle me. <laughs> yeah. At, at, at a time when your company's hot and you don't need them. <laughs> I, don't, I, 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 don't, I don't know how. they. Not that they wouldn't bring him back, but man, if they do bring him back, I also... I don't know, man. I, I people don't forget, and yeah. and a guy with that kind of ego, dude, because Triple H has turned into one of those like he's got his guys in a good way because his guys are all very good. Uh, Phil is not one of those guys, absolutely. And so I'd be interested to see what happens there. Yeah. Now before we get into the show, the one last bring thing- him in, bring him in and feed him, dude. Feed him to somebody. Well, he ain't gonna get fed. He's gonna want to get. He was want to get. Well, you beat the Miz in a pay per view, and then you lose the <laughs> you lose the LA night. <laughs> um, yeah. Before we get into the show, the one last thing I want to say is that so, my this this favorite part of the whole thing is that Stone Cold and Eric Bischoff are co GMs, and the Stone Cold played such a incredibly great role as co GM of Raw, and. I begged for years for Stone Cold to come back and be the co-GM of Raw. And, you know, he, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want him to do it anymore, but I, this, this is my favorite era. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, the, this show starts off with a tag match from a, a very lovable tag team, uh, for the Podski, uh, the Dudley boys versus La Resistance. And uh, there's, I don't know how there wasn't dead bodies after this match. Uh, Rob Conway, uh, I think he is, is he shoot? He's not shoot dead, but he might as well be after that head bump. And I don't know how Spike Dudley isn't dead after he took that one that was on Raw, which led to this match. Them showing them showing that clip before, I was just like, oh my god, yeah. And I, you know what's crazy is I remembered it after they showed it. I would have never remembered that happening, but. I did not remember Conway taking the, the same brutal, terrible bump. Um, also timely, uh, R.I.P. Rene Dupree's uh, papa, yeah, uh, Emil, I believe, yeah, just passed away. He was a promoter in Canada, and um, he ran the basically the off season for the Stampede guys, and so he had a bunch of Stampede people coming through. Um, so R.I.P. to him. Timely, timely for that. But I mean, this dude, I'll tell you what. Dudley's are over and the match wasn't bad. It was just another Dudley's tables match, but if for an opener in 2003, yeah, go ahead. I would, I would say low resistance was better in retrospect, looking back at them now than what I thought at the time. Oh, I fucking hated their guts back then. They, they were no, they're they're, good. They, they, they were, they were, they were just fine. They're good. Yeah. They're actually pretty good. Like I really enjoyed that match. When I went back and watched it, I was like, all right, it ended up like every- something, something happened with Grandier where he got in the doghouse, and I can't remember what the hell it was, oh. but um, Conway is a guy that, that I always thought they should have done something with. Well, and, and Dupree, Dupree turned into one of those guys that was supposed to be 
another Randy Orton and you know, he's working at armories right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it just didn't click. What whatever. Like whatever happened. But right. You know, and he looked like a million bucks here. Like you'd think that he was gonna be a big star for a long time, but yeah. But yeah, this was this was a fine match, right? Again, tables, crowd into it, all that. So yeah, this is fine. It was two stars. Dave gave it. Yeah, Dave gave it two stars. Uh, and then uh, also mentioned here as a Dudley's seventeenth World Tag Team Title reign across all their promotions. So, um, I guess congrats to them on all that hard uh, work and success. <laughs> um, but the, the the second match, I. Love this angle. Uh, we had Test and Scott Steiner fighting over the managerial services of Stacy Keebler. And uh, so not not only the managerial services, but if Steiner loses, he's gonna be Test's slave. Yes. And also one th- you said you love this. I did not love this because I had to watch this with my, my wife. This this did not go over well in my house. I'm sure it didn't go over well at the house. Yeah, you can't watch this one with a spouse. Um, but one thing I want to get out there uh, is to show how stupid of an, a man that Bill Simmons is for him to go on his podcast with Nick Khan and say that WWE needs to bring back a uh, test. Uh, test has been dead 15 years. So why Nick- why that guy of all, of all people? What a because. I mean, he he was in a he was Stephanie McMahon's kayfabe romancier, so I guess that's why. But also, Tess has his own Twitter account that reminds us all that he's still dead. <laughs> um, but Dave, Dave, is that still posting? I think so. <laughs> I almost just spilled water. Out. It is. I think it is. <laughs> um. But yeah, I thought that this match, I thought that Stacy laid in that uh, chair shot on Steiner. Like she didn't pull it up, but like she laid it in on him. Um, I thought it was great. I loved it. And I mean, obviously. I, I hated, I hated her standing in the ring for the last two minutes of the match. Well, I hated that. Yeah, it was almost, it was a little long, but whenever she finally did uh, send that chair swing in and it hit Steiner, uh, I mean, it was it was great. Like he he sold for it very well. Uh, talk about Steiner putting on his working boots for a match, although it was only six minutes fifty six seconds. Yeah, he looked when it was done. It when he was three <laughs> minutes in. It looked like he put in thirty. I mean, that was there. There was a, there was a reason in retrospect that he didn't get that that he didn't get that rocket, and I understand it. Um, I this is. I, it was fine. It literally, it literally was what it was. So you know, you have man slave versus butt slave right there <laughs> for you. Uh, but it got a Dave gave it a one star. Uh, I would have given it three. And uh, listen, <laughs> I just found the account is Tess still dead? And, and when's the last tweet? The answer to your question is, are they still posting? Five days ago, they tweeted the word yes. <laughs> and they hadn't posted anything before that since since August 29th of 2022. So, so they literally reminded Bill Simmons. They tweeted to remind Bill Simmons because yeah. that was absolutely five days ago. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> they should have tagged him. They should. Oh my god. The the picture of of the account is Test with the long hair holding the hardcore title on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um <laughs> what are we going to do? What are we going to do the day that they post no? <laughs> Do we run for the hills? Dude, there's so <laughs> many tweets. There's so many tweets from this account. <laughs> it's it's almost like every every like month or sometimes every day. There's another. <laughs> when it started, it was daily for like three years. Yeah, it's just rem- it's, pretty, it's pretty much daily all the way up until like like the middle of 2021. <laughs> Wow! So they thought they thought they had their point across until it opened his mouth. <laughs> um, oh my! That was great. Uh, this next match was uh, this was match of the night for me. Uh, this was uh, Mongoose getting to see Babyface Sean versus uh, Randy Orton, and I got some. Uh, this is Orton in full Legend Killer uh, run, which was fantastic. I love the Legend Killer. Um, for this for this match being on a B show, I felt like it deserved to be on a bigger show. Um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and I thought that Sean made Randy look like a million dollars. And I thought that Ric Flair was in his bag. Ric Flair was Ric Rick, Rick, Rick Flair was the MVP of this match, and he didn't even wrestle. Right, he was awesome. He was Dude, so- the bumps that the bumps he took every time he'd go to get on the ring. And Sean would just give him the overhead right, and he would flop like he got shot with a you know shotgun. Yeah, was he, Flair was covered in sweat. Um, the, I'll tell you what, man, it's it. This is a four star match if the finish wasn't the finish. Yes, uh, Dave Dave gave it three. The finish for me, I put it down to three. Dave gave it three and a half. I was gonna say for me. I would have put it down to three and a half. Dave gave it three and a half. So I'm thinking we were on the same wavelength there because I hated the finish. However, I got news for you there, Andretti. This finish was the finish that Randy Savage used to win the Intercontinental Championship over Tito Santana in 1986. Ooh. You think the garbage, yeah. <laughs> it was it was terrible. It like it it, it fell on TV. I, I don't remember this happening. But it fell flat on TV because everybody popped for Sean. And then they rang the bell and they didn't make an announcement and they just went right back to it. And you couldn't really see the audience couldn't see that Orton got Nux. So, like, I, I don't know. That was, I was really, it was, it was bad. It was a bad finish, but some great near fall. Sean kicking out of the RKO was a great near fall. Um, Randy Orton kicking out of the elbow drop was a great near fall. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Sean did that cross body to the outside. Like there was some really, really good stuff in here. Like you said, man, this was this was an excellent match. Um, I just this finish was bad. Yeah, and that the other note too is that Randy Orton is world champion literally the next year when they go into 2004. He wins the world heavyweight championship in uh, 2004. So. At SummerSlam, so he's on the fast track to he's they're on their way to that. So 
Um, it, well, and, and my thing, my thing is, is because he's on the fat, then beat him. Right. Like, 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 I don't understand the the dusty finish. There is that, like, use the knuckles so the entire crowd can see it and beat him. Right. Like, like, have Flair pulls his foot up, the ref sees it, stops his two count. Sean gets up and complains and is yelling. Flair gets up on the ring, obviously hands him something. Orton hits him. It, like to me, I, I, there was there was no reason for for that for that dusty finish thing that they did. I totally. No. I I skipped over the women's match just because they, they did this in those early two thousands where they just they they put these in to kill time and and I hate that because like these women, I mean they're some of the best in business they ever had, but um. I just, I was super, I was just way too excited to get to the following match, which was. Mrs. Mongoose made me watch this one. So I watched the, I watched the entire Sean match and it was over and I was getting ready to go to bed and Gail Kim came out and she was like, okay, now I'm interested. And the reason why is because the last time one of these early 2000 things we watched was whatever kelly kelly versus you know like one of those bags um and so i ended up watching this whole thing uh molly holly pulls lita off of the ring and she smashes her face on the ring apron in her first match back after breaking her neck and getting neck fusion surgery uh she shoot chips two teeth and almost bit through her tongue um her mouth is bleeding like a moxley match um so she's bleeding insane the whole time um, but it was fine. It, it was it was totally fine match. Yeah, totally fine. Holly Holly's really good, man. Trish Stratus is really good. Right. Lita in two thousand three is fine, and Gil Kim in two thousand three is fine. So every every it was fine. You know what I mean? That was totally right. totally totally fine. totally good. Yeah, totally fine. Um, and it totally. Yeah, I watched I watched that too, and I thought everybody was pretty good. Yeah. Trish Trish, yeah. Trish was a lot more um, a lot faster in the ring than I remember her being. She looked really good. It's dude, it's crazy because she's she 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 was faster then, but she's better now and she's 50. Yeah, yeah she's dude, better she's now than she's 50. Ever yeah, it's unreal. She's so much better now than what she was then. It's so crazy. Like you see players decrepit self. You're breaking uh, 20 years, you know, now, now, 20 years ago. Uh, all right, how about now? Good. Okay. So you see Ric Flair decrepit now, but at that point in time, you know, he, he was in his 50s. And Ric Flair at that point, at that stage, as much as he was flopping around and everything, he's a full man and he could not do half of what Trish is doing right now. And that's really crazy. That yeah, that is correct. That yeah, you're actually totally right on that. It is actually crazy, and the fact that like he's that he's her age now. That then, you right. know what I mean. And he's a full time manager at that time, right? And he ends up getting his full run later with his retirement run, right? Which is even right. and I, so I I guess credit where it's due because I did. Uh, yeah, that is right. He was even older then. It's that's why he might be. That's why he might be very high on the old power skill list. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, but Richard Fleer 
might be he might be a hands down number one with a bullet. And I don't even know whatever whatever everybody else said. Uh yeah, I can I, I ain't gonna spoil, but he is pretty high on my list too. Yeah, he might be kind of high on mine too. <laughs> yeah, I think we're yeah, I'm 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 willing I'm willing to bet that given the criteria that we have that uh, that that old Ricky Flair is he's gonna be a okay. Yeah. I have Charlotte number four if I was allowed to put women on there, but that uh, that, that Ric Flair that, that Ric Flair is pretty good. That's what I that's what I said to Andretti because I had to run through it and I was like, are we are we putting women on the list right now? No, I think I my my idea whenever we were talking about it initially was that we would do it where. We do the men this year. Since it's not going to change that much, we do the men this year. Next year, we do women in tag teams. Then we do men a year, uh, a year later, every two years, like the, yeah. like the Olympics. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, uh, fellas, I'm going to head out here. I appreciate everything, Baker. I'll be in touch here, but, uh, you know, go Rob Conway. We miss you. I wish you're still in, in, the, in the industry, bud. Yep. H's and K's, Andretti. Uh, and then this – I'm I'm so glad that we're here now, uh, because Kane and, and it's just it's just you and I too. Oh my God, what a better match for us to have together, huh? I know. I love this. I have so many notes on this match. Uh, so, okay, so is, you, I want you to go through your notes. Let me. I'm gonna. I'll I'll go first, and I'll let you do your thing through. So there. The funny thing with this is that I was watching Raw every week, literally next to Andretti in my living room. And we thought that that Kane unmasking was the biggest poop fart. Thought it was so dumb. And then all of a sudden, the same guy that allegedly, you know, art a, a dead a, a corpse, um, then burns alive an announcer. Uh, so all this stuff. But... They did do a good job in retrospect. And I'm saying in re- week to week at that time, we were like, what are you doing, man? In retrospect, they did a really good job in trying to make him a crazy person. He looks great here. He looks absolutely great. And baby mongoose, whenever we were watching all these manias and stuff, Kane's our favorite. And so Kane is a soft spot in my heart. All that being said, uh, I did not, like I actually popped bigger for Shane O'Mac than I did for Kane when this started because I got a chance to see here comes the money. Um, it, but I I love this match. So go ahead, take us through it. Yeah. So this was this feud. I legitimately thought that this was shoot real because I didn't understand that this is a gimmick business. So um, I, this is a summer's long feud that starts whenever Kane unmasks. And he attacks Vince and Linda. He's on this like crazy wild, uh, like attack, attacking everybody. Um, and it really ramps up whenever Stone Cold continues to poke and prod him about you're a big monster. You need to be this big monster. And then he uh, lights Jr. on fire uh, a month or so earlier than this in uh, a sit down interview, very reminiscent of Mankind and Jr. And then before on that same almost in the the week before in between the shows where they're on the build to this kane electrocutes shane's balls on raw literally handcuffed him to the ring post throw threw water on him and electrocuted him by his nuts the missus was taken aback by that when when he attached the jumper cables jumper cables the jump jumper cables to the penis the, the the missus was appalled 
Yeah, I'm sure. And I, and I said, I said, hey, it's a business, honey. It's a business. You know, this is the way it goes. <laughs> um, and then the following week after that, then, well, what kind of led to the electrocution was the week before, Shane and Kane are in the back, and Kane or Kane gets thrown into a dumpster of fire. And I legitimately, I remember watching that raw, and I thought that that was real. I thought that Kane was burned alive on television. Uh, I tried to look so hard today to see like how they maneuvered through that, and I'm not exactly sure. I'm assuming they put like the ring of fire around the top, and he just fell through, so the fire was above him. But mm-hmm. I legitimately thought that that was so real. And this match, like they went hell's bells from the beginning with. Shane beating the shit out of him with that chair. That start was great. It was. That was a great start. It really was. It really set the tempo for the match. And uh, it, it just, I can only imagine what those chair shots felt, knowing how much Shane potatoes people. And oh, dude, you know where I was feeling for Kane was when they were going up that ramp before the finish, when Shane's throwing them live rounds yeah. and just blasting him in the guts yeah like as i was just thinking i'm saying poor kane dude he survives all these chair shots and stuff and his liver is probably just screaming for you know screaming for mercy (laughs) um i thought that that the coast the coast look uh the usual coast to coast looked good the one thing that i really liked that they did was that shane used the boom camera uh, to hit Kane with it, and then the boot, the the camera glass broke, and then they started using the camera more. I thought that added to it. I thought that was like a nice cool, um, effect. And then the, pushing pushing that announce table was great. The way they shot it, yes, because you thought that Shane was under it, but then when he popped out, like it was it was shot perfectly. Yes, it really was because it was like oh, you know, because. It, it really then makes you get behind Shane. Like I, I thought, I thought that was a really good one too. Yeah. And then uh, Shane climbs to the top of the set and dives off of it. And it looked stiff as hell. It looked like it hurt so bad. Um, it was, yeah, it very much was not that Jericho bump off of the hell in the cell um, or not the, hell, the, the war games cage. Uh, yeah. But I'll tell you what, man, um, the thing about it, and and this was only me reading it. So me watching that match, I thought it was awesome. Thought it was I was totally entertained. Thought it was all good. I, reading Dave's comments though, did it did actually like sort of irk me with the booking, because what he said was seeing Shane allowed to look that good and have Monster Kane fail to put him away, but Shane beating himself probably wasn't the way to do things. And in retrospect, that's probably absolutely right. Like if Shane was going to take that bump and look, man, I'm not not signing people up to jump off of 20 foot high things, but wouldn't it have been better to get pushed off? Like not even like a choke slam, but like just to have Kane like up there and just push him off so that he could do the, the trust fall thing just down it. That probably would have been a better way to do it as opposed to I'm going to put you away now, Kane. And then I beat myself. So I do, I do actually agree with them there. That actually does make a lot of sense. That would be the only critique that I could probably add to the match and make it better. Um, yeah, because because and the reason I feel that I liked Shane getting offense was he was fighting for his family. 
And because you're fighting for your family, like it does make sense that you're going to be a crazy person. But if you're going to be pushing this man as a legit crazy monster, then he probably needs to finish as a legit crazy monster. And so, and and then Shane still saves face if the only way that he was going to get put down was that he got thrown from the scaffolding as opposed to let me jump from it. Right. I totally agree. You know, but again, though, it's not, it's, I'm not, I'm not here to book people getting pushed off of, 20 foot high things or whatever but you know if 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 we could book it the way we wish we could that's probably it yeah and then the only thing the the weird thing about this is that it's really really good but it's not the best match the best match comes a survivor series that is the ambulance match the famous ambulance match and the two big um skits come after this too where they have the the dinner skit where shane and kane sit down at a dinner where Kane's in full gimmick in a restaurant. I don't remember that at all. Uh, oh my God. I need to see this. You look it up. And then the, the uh, yeah, I don't remember that at all. The, the limo spot comes after this too, where uh, Shane throws Kane into the limo, pulls the belt on the uh, gas pedal and it runs the limo into that, um, into that semi in the backstage area. That doesn't happen. That hasn't happened yet. That happens like literally a month after this. It's literally the build to Survivor Series. I, I'll check this out. Uh, like seriously, I'll check this out. That's you got me in. The, the, this program has me in. This I don't. I don't want to say this is few to the year, but for 2003. But like Shane and Kane, their like their feud was fantastic. I would put it over with five golden stars for that year because it was some of the most compelling stuff they did. And then, uh, we got getting into not getting into not compelling because I, I felt this man, I feel like this match was two hours long. The Christian Jericho and RVD. one. Yeah. Yeah. I felt yeah. Like it went forever. I was ready for it. Yeah. To- it wouldn't stop. They booked the, they booked this match so quickly too. Like it was kind of out of the blue. Like they were kind it looked like they were gonna put Christian and Jericho together for one on one. And then all of a sudden they added RVD in there at the end. Like I didn't really wasn't a fan of adding I mean, I thought that it was a good match, but it felt long. Like they could have cut it short. And I don't know well, if buying time to get to the uh, to get him cleaned up from the last man standing match or whatever, but um, this- well, and that's that was just it too. This match was doomed, man. Like nobody made a peep for ten minutes, right? And I think that's what made it feel so long. Yeah, is because- that everybody was just sitting on their hands, right? Because of what they just saw, and then I mean, they picked it up at the end. Like I really like the the ending sequence where RVD is given the frog splash and Christian pulls the belt on his knees. Uh, I mm-hmm. I like that. But it just felt like the first ten minutes, no one gave a shit because they what from what they just saw before. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Dave actually gave this three, and I would have I'd have gone two and a half, and only because the work work was good. But I I can't say that I was I was not into this at all, and I was even taking breaks in between matches and stuff. It's not like I was watching this live, and it still was. It was just hard to get into, especially at the beginning. So. Yeah. And then, uh, probably one of the, I thought that this was entertaining, uh, but a lot of people didn't. Uh, but it was the Al Snow coach versus Lawler and JR. And this was the winner becomes the raw commentary team. And if you watch the build to it, the way that 
Jay, the way that coach coach is so good. Coach is so underrated. I have, I oh, see. I, I think I, I was watching this build thinking that like, dude, I wish the coach was never in the WWE. I, I never liked him. Never did. Never. Oh yeah. He did different strokes, for different folks, man. But man, he didn't do it for me. I did not like him on commentary. I didn't like him as a backstage announcer. And even as a heel, he wasn't even a heel that like, I liked to not like. He was a heel that I was just like, oh my gosh, dude, just like, I want to change the channel. Like, yeah, change the channel heat with me, not like, let me boo you heat. I would agree with you. So, I would totally agree with you leading up to like, I felt the same way about Coach, but going back and watching him and all those skits that he did with just mocking JR and everything, it was awesome. Um, but well, he was, and he was really good, and he was good in this match. So you're right there. I'll give you that. Yeah, I, I just felt that this was, this was so much, it was fun. Like this just this felt fun. Um, it sucked that, you know, JR and Lawler that, that they, uh, that they lost. But then the funnier part was whenever they go back to the commentary booth and they're just sulking in their honor and they just, yeah. that was, yeah. The only other thing that I have to say about JR on this show is that he mentioned college football about 197 times. And like, we totally, right. JR loves college football, but at some point, like we're doing a wrestling show. I don't give a shit about what's going on with the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah. And um, I don't, let me see. Let me see if I have it where it was because to go to go to you saying that stuff about coach that Meltzer made a couple of points about the, um, the way that that was booked. And I thought that it was really interesting. Um, basically, uh, while I'm s- sitting here flipping through things to see if I can find it quickly, uh, basically what it says, and it actually made sense, was that the tough thing about it was that, oh, here, here we go. So um, the first time that they did Coachman mocking JR he said it died a brutal death on Raw as the spoofing got no heat live and it came across as a repeat of Vince Russo's angle, which was uh, which was no less masturbatory. Worse, this one hurt. This was the third angle to get Rouse off with Raw. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but the thing about it was that um, the point that he made in that was that basically what made Ross endearing was those slobber knockers and things like that and when you have a younger person calling him out for that you're you're turning him into like an old coot a little bit and you're sort of devaluing his or you're you're taking away from his credibility in the booth or devaluing his booth or his um excuse me his prowess in the booth whenever he's then announcing do you know what i mean yeah and so that actually did make sense. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, it, this is all 2020, hindsight's 2020, especially, you know, this long ago. But at that point in time, I do really get that gripe. But we all know that he was, you know, Vince was trying to get Jim Ross out of it anyways. And so I don't think that he had the foresight to know, oh, we're going to keep bringing this guy back for the next, you know, six, seven years. And so, you know, it was what it was. Um but my biggest thing with that match was that it was like what nine minutes long. So eight sixteen. So eight sixteen, no announcing. Um, that was yeah, the rough part about it was that there was no commentary. It was just dead silence, like just uh, arena ambient ambiance. Like that's all it was. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and the fact that you have guys that, you know, two of which aren't workers, one worker that's in his fifties and one's out snow, like, you know, eh, yeah. it's not really easy. And the thing about it is with the finish, the finish would have been a lot better if you had an announcer saying, Oh my gosh, Jericho said that he's going to play mind games with Austin. That rotten, dirty Jericho. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you didn't get any of that. No. You know, and so that that really took away from that too. Um, one thing I do need to say about this quick though, uh, speaking of we were talking about old Phil a couple of minutes ago. Um, this was in 2003, obviously. Uh, Lawler is about to turn 54. And he just recently gave an interview where he talked about all the guys killing themselves, not having long careers. I'm sorry. Somebody, uh, he was talking about all the guys killing themselves and not having long careers. And he was asked if he should give advice. And he said he never gives advice because he remembers being 25 years in wrestling and never listening to the advice of old timers. And so this is Jim Jerry Lawler, who's one of the greatest of all time, in 2003, saying for 25 years, I didn't listen to what anybody told me. And so for that <laughs> whole thing to start, like, it just goes back to say, like, get over yourself, man. Yeah. You know, and that's not just that's not just punk. That's for everybody that ever says, like, these people don't listen to young people. Apparently, it's only been happening for 40 years. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Thought that, that I thought that was worth bringing it up. So yeah, we had we had we had your solemn sulking. All, all we can do is just put over the damn main event. All we can do is put the damn main event and do our damn job. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we're just here to do our damn job and put these damn main eventers over. And I feel sorry for whoever has to sit in this seat next. Whatever the hell he said, dude. I was just I was just sitting there and I was just awestruck that they immediately made those two beaten beaten just sulking souls go back into the booth to then call what was supposed to be the main event of the year yes this is what's so great is that this is the biggest program in the company and you have two guys that just got their asses whipped <laughs> go back in there and, and, and try to call it yes that's what's so great um but the only thing better would have been if they would have had coach and snow yeah. Go in there to call this match. That's what I. Oh God, I'd have, I'd have turned it off. I could have turned it off. Couldn't remember if that's what happened. And whenever they won, I was like, "Oh my God, is Coach is Coach and Al Snow going to be commentary for the main event?" And then whenever they pan back and it's Jr. and King, I was like, "Oh my God, thank thank the Lord above that they did not put Cole or put Cole. <laughs> they put Cole Coach and Snow." on commentary instantly I, that that would have been hilarious if they would have done that for the biggest coronation of their star on their supposed their supposedly a show a it is it is it is really funny though that, that happened right after those like you want to talk about more goldberg sabotage man like doomed before it started we uh, the two people that are going to call your main event moment just just got a mud hole stomped in them by Al Snow and Jonathan Coachman in the <laughs> for nine minutes or whatever, uh, literally immediately before your match starts. They didn't even have time to towel off. No, they literally. <laughs> oh my! Uh, and and this this Goldberg trips the main event was supposed to be like we've said it 
a ton of times here. It was supposed to be a huge thing where Goldberg was supposed to be crowned the world heavyweight champion. They showed all of his old uh, matches. Like they had clips and everything they were showing every single week leading up to this show that they would be coming back from commercial break. It was a Goldberg moment. And uh, they kept saying, believe the hype. Like that was the big tagline, believe the hype. And Triple H said, it, the hype, the hype ain't real. Like, I, I mean, Triple H did about as good as he could have done to get a 16 minute match. I believe that's how long it was around 16 minutes. 1457 is what I got right here. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, Triple H did about as good a job as you're going to do to get a good Goldberg match um, with his limitations, with his groin, but it wasn't great and it, and it fell flat. Um, Jim Ross tried to sell his ass off to make it feel big, but it just felt flat for some reason. And I don't, and, and, well, and here's because they killed. Go ahead, him. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's just obvious because they killed him dead at SummerSlam. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I, I got too excited to, so I started talking over you. I apologize for that. But, um, the thing was, is that that entrance, everybody's going nuts at the beginning. Everybody's going nuts. I hate to say, man, this should have been three and a half minutes. Yep. Sure. Like, if he's going to lose, it should have been three and a half minutes of Triple H tr jumps him, gives it, like, right at the beginning, gives him a kick to the guts. Goldberg sells for a minute, uh, you know, whatever. He goes to give him the big knee lift mm -hmm. uh, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, it, it don't hurt him, man. And so, you know, he screams at him. And he throws them, and he spears them, and he jackknifes them. Like it, it, they should have done that match the same way that that Goldberg and Hulk match was, because that match that I, I don't know, but it couldn't have been eight minutes long. Yeah. And and so that like because you know you're getting it back anyways, man. That's just it. Is that I don't understand why they needed to go that long because they lost the crowd enthusiasm from going that long from him selling. And then by the time that he won it, like there was a pop because they saw a title change, but it, it by no means felt like a changing of the guard. Do you know what I mean? There was nothing about that that was like, here's your next champion. It was it was almost like everybody in the in the building, even if they weren't internet fans at the time, knew that this wasn't gonna last. Yeah, and then to now that I'm thinking about it, this leads to the real formation of evolution as we remember, because I believe, if my memory serves me right, Triple H comes back and puts the bounty whenever he comes back to after he's done with the movies and the honeymoon and all that. He puts the bounty on uh, Goldberg's head, and that's how he gets the championship back. Was because uh, Batista joins Evolution. Uh, that would make sense because he's not there yet. Obviously, they do have the Evolution music and stuff. Yeah, but there is no Batista. You're right about that. And I, I yeah, I didn't, I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that just reminded me. I just reminded myself about that, and it, which, which was a good, which it was a really good angle going back to getting the belt off of Goldberg. But at the same time, you killed Goldberg dead, and he didn't have the title very long, and the reign of terror continued to reign. But ten year old me didn't care because Triple H was my favorite. But I'm sure for the rest of the wrestling world, everyone else hated it. <laughs> Well, that's you're you're you say the same things that I did whenever I look back at the Hulk Hogan early '90s runs. If I if I went back and read Observers from the early '90s, 
all of them are going to be panning this. Everybody's sick of Hulk Hogan. This is all, you know, this is stupid, blah, blah, blah. And you're not going to tell me that that run wasn't amazing because it was. Yeah. And so I understand completely where you're coming from there. You know, like the only difference is that I was, you know, I was in my late teens at the time and I'm reading the internet all the time and all that stuff. So like, you know, the difference between our fandom is, is stark there. Um, but I'm not going to take away your childhood. <laughs> like I, I completely understand that. Like to me, that makes all the sense in the world. Um, like I, to the, to this day, I still remember Yokozuna as being this insanely unbeatable. Oh my gosh, no one's ever going to have this title again. Champion. It, you know what I'm saying? And so he wasn't, you know, there's many other people better than that. But yeah, when I was, and I totally understand what you're saying. I think that is a wrap on Unforgiven 2003. So uh, we hope you enjoyed the retrospective and our talks on the PWI 500 and The Rock's Return. And uh, got to thank uh, Teddy Mongoose for hopping on and Andretti. But uh, make sure that you check us out on socials at the underscore Podski on uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, the Podski with John Baker on YouTube. If you're following along on YouTube, like and subscribe leave a comment down below what your thoughts are on the pwi 500 or anything that we're doing right now um but yeah so we thank you for uh listening and we will see you next time on the pod ski